Welcome to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. This program is a ministry of Calvary Chapel Inglewood. Today on A Transforming Word. Adam is the example of, he's the representation of mankind in the physical sense. He was the first man, like God, God breathed in him, became a living being. That's representative of this earthly bodies. We've all become living beings, but Jesus is the example. When it says the second Adam, it's referring to Jesus. Jesus is the example of us, of, as he came, he said he came to be a life-giving spirit. He didn't just come to live and die, but he came to be a life-giving spirit. And it's his example that we're looking to follow. Who do you admire or look up to? As you listen to today's message from Pastor Bill, you'll learn that it's good to have role models and people you admire. However, the ultimate role model is Jesus. He's the one who is a life-giving spirit. A relationship with him gives you life and life abundantly. Pastor Bill explains that sometimes people will let you down. However, God promises to never leave you or forsake you. He promises to always be with you wherever you go. Strive to become more like Jesus. Now, here's Pastor Bill in the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter 15, for today's edition of A Transforming Word. The way kind of 1 Corinthians is broken down, the very first three verses really heavily laid out the gospel message that the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus and how that's critical that we understand and believe that. Then Paul has spent the rest of the chapter dealing with something that the Corinthians were not believing or were misunderstanding, which was the resurrection. Uh, they obviously got saved and believed the resurrection at one point, but it looked like through the influence of some of the different people that they were around, worldly influences, you know, as it, we looked at that last week, as Paul told them, evil company corrupts good habits, that they were, they were stoic, they were philosophers and different people that they were, they were listening and changing their beliefs from what they had initially believed. And so they were, they were faltering on whether or not they believed the resurrection or not. And so Paul is spending quite a bit of time correcting them. We talked about, you know, I, I thought it's a great thing that Paul loved them enough to where, man, I see you guys are messing up. You guys are missing something important. I don't just blow you off because you stop believing it or, you know, tell you off. But he's like, I'm going to explain it to you. You guys need to understand this. You need to believe in the resurrection. The last chunk of it today is, is kind of some practical aspects of it. You know, they have questions about the resurrection that have been raised as they're talking to other people. Then how do we resurrect and what kind of body do we have? And, you know, all these different things. So Paul's going to address these things for them. And then Paul being the practical man that he is, he ends off the chapter letting us know. So in light of that. Right. In light of all that, we can get so caught up in all the technical things and when does this happen and how. But Paul brings it all the way down and says, so in light of all that, how should we be living? And that's what we close off the chapter with. So if you guys would look with me at we left off last week, we finished at verse 34. So we're picking up at verse 35 of First Corinthians 15. Paul says this, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up and with what body do they come? Foolish one. What you sow is not made alive unless it dies. And what you sow, you do not sow that body that shall be, but mere grain, perhaps wheat or some other grain. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. So the first two questions that they raise, they say, well, you know, how are the dead raised up? And then with what body do they come? These are questions that they were beginning to have. If we're going to raise from the dead, How's that going to happen and with what body? When Paul tells them, oh, foolish ones, 
He's dealing with the fact that we're going to raise. He's, to that when he says, oh, foolish ones, they should have just believed that because God told them. God, there's some things, you guys understand that there's some things that we believe just because God said so? And if you're the kind of person that says, well, I got to be able to understand every single thing, then you're not going to be able to walk with God because there's some things that God says that don't make sense. There are many things that I read my Bible and I'm like, that don't make sense. It doesn't make sense to me that I would, you know, do good to those that treat me bad. And, and that that's the way God, you know, turn to smite me on the one cheek and I turn the other cheek. My, my street sense says, if you hit me on the one cheek and I turn the other, you're going to think I'm a punk. You're going to keep hitting me. You know, that's what my mind says. But God says, I, I'm working at a higher level. Just, just do what I said, do because I'm God, you know. So, so many things, if I have to understand, I will not walk with God. I'll just walk according to the flesh. And so I think we just have to agree up front that there are going to be some things that because God said so. How do you know you're going to rise? Because God, who's God, who never lies and never wrong, said we're going to rise from the dead. That's how come. So when he says, oh, foolish ones, I believe he's addressing that because he does now explain in what kind of body. And what he says here, he, he uses an analogy of a, a planting of seeds. And so anyone that's, you know, planted seeds or whatever, you know that the what you sow into the ground is not what comes up. So I'm not a green thumb. I'm not planted many seeds. But I do remember seeing my kids get like a sunflower seed and plant it in a little cup. Anybody did that at school, little project? They put it in a cup with a, a little plastic clear cup with some, you know, with a, with a, uh, a wet napkin. And, 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 and a, you know, the, the plant comes up or whatever. I wasted a good sunflower seed as far as I was concerned. But the, the seed, when you put it in the ground, it dies. It cracks open. And then... What sprouts out. Now, what sprouts out is not what you sowed. And that's what Paul says. In what body? Not the one that you sowed. The one that you died in is not the one that you're coming back in. And most of y'all can say amen to that. Right. That we get a new body. Right. That the, we're going to be changed. You're going to be transformed. The body that died, your body that will die one day is not going to be the body that you're, you're in for eternity. You're going to get a better body. So. You know, I don't think anybody has a problem with that. So the one that you sow is not the one that you get back. And again, he uses the analogy that they would have understood they were an agricultural society. When you sow a seed, you don't get another seed, but you get something different coming up out of the ground. So moving on, he says in verse 39, I'm sorry, verse 38, he says, but God gives a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. And so God said, I do this in the way that pleases me. What you're going to get is going to please me. One thing about the new body, because I was trying to think, what about the new body pleases God? Because I know we're going to like it. It's not going to get sick. It's not going to die. But the new body also won't have a sin nature. And I know that's going to please the Lord. That we'll, we'll, from, from, the, from that moment on, you'll finally be. You'll finally be sin free. Until then, you got to be working on this flesh and dying to the flesh. And we all know that's, that's tough. Verse 39. Now, how many animal lovers do I have? Come raise your hand, animal lovers. All right. I love y'all, and I don't want to hurt no feelings, but I got to tell the truth. So just receive this truth. Amen? <laughs> you and Fido, different, right? Uh, let's, let's read this, and I'll, I'll explain. Verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another flesh of fish, and another of birds. So... He said, there's a distinction here. All flesh is not the same. Am I different than my dog? Am I different than the birds? So is evolution true? No, right? He, right. I would look at this right here and he's saying, look, there's a difference. You didn't evolve from an animal. I made you with one kind of flesh. I made the animals with one kind of flesh. There's another distinction. The animal kingdom don't have souls 
in the animal kingdom, they don't, you'll, you'll, you know, I love my animals. I got dogs. My, my boys got lizards. You know, we got, we, I love animals. I enjoy them. They're pets. But when they die, I'm sorry. You know, all my, do- all my dead animals over there, they won't be in heaven, y'all. I mean, I'm not, I won't get to pet my dogs when I get up there. You, when your dog dies, you got to get a new one. You know, when your cat passes away, you just go get a new one. You know, enjoy them on earth. That's what they're for. But that's it. So I know people, you know, people want to believe that, you know, heaven wouldn't be right if my dog's not there. It's, it's going to be just fine without your dog there, I promise. But we're not the same as the animal kingdom. And that's important to note because we do live in a world and a society that's trying to convince our kids that they've evolved from animals. God says there's a clear distinction. You are not an animal. You are not like the animal kingdom. I built you and made you out of something different, something superior, something better, something that will exist forever. They won't. You will. My dog can't be forgiven of its sins. I don't even know if my dog can sin. My dog, dogs, animals can be disobedient. They can do bad things. I've seen animals in the Bible that were possessed by demons, you know, so some of y'all animals that might be what's wrong, you know, but they can't be saved. There's no hope for them. So if you got a bad one, get a new one. So moving on. So there's a difference between us and the animals. That's the first thing. Then he says this. He made that analogy for a reason. Now in verse 40, he says there there are also celestial and you can write down if you want a, a better word, heavenly bodies and terrestrial or earthly bodies. So he said, look, there's a there's a body that's going to be prepared for heaven. There's a heavenly body and an earthly body. What body are we living in right now? Earthly body, not the heavenly body. So he said, hey, there's a difference. These, these two are not the same. There's a heavenly or celestial body and there's a earthly or terrestrial body. But the glory of the celestial or the heavenly body is one and the glory of the terrestrial or earthly body is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. And he's saying this. Obviously, there's a difference between my earthly body and my heavenly body, but this is true too. Is everybody going to be exactly the same in heaven? What's going to be the difference? Right? What, how is heaven going to be different for some believers and for other believers? Anybody? I'll throw it out there. Anybody? How's it going to be different? It's not going to be the same for everybody, but it's going to be great that we all make it. Everybody that makes it is going to be glad they made it, but it's going to be different. What determines your works, how you live, right? So you get saved and you live faithfully for the Lord for uh, the rest of your life. You store treasure in heaven. You impact eternity. Every believer has the opportunity every day to store treasure up in heaven. If you give your life to Christ and you don't really live for the Lord, you're just kind of glad to be saved and you, you just sit on your laurels and you don't really do nothing for the Lord. Does God tell everybody when they die, well done, good and faithful servant? No, because he's not a liar. Everybody ain't doing well and everybody wasn't good or faithful in their service. So there'll be people that die and go to heaven. They made it, you know, on their deathbed and or whatever, but it's going to be different, right? It couldn't, it, it couldn't be the same in that regard. Now, They'll be different. There's just like he said, the stars, there's different glory. Some shine brighter than others. They all stars, but some shine brighter. There's a different glory to them. So too will be with us. Now, we're not in competition with one another, but don't we each want to be the best we can be in and of ourselves? Don't we want to? I, I, I want God to get the most glory he could get out of this particular vessel. That's my agenda. My agenda is not to outshine anybody, but God never puts believers in competition with one another. It's more like, you know, um, I know when the kids did swim, you know, you might be in a pool swimming next to other people, but a lot of times they were trying to get their personal best times, you know. And so as we serve God and walk with the Lord, we want to we want to do our personal. God, I want to give you my very best. 
I want to be all that I could be in you. And so, um, but there's a difference. He says, verse 42, so also is the resurrection of the dead. The body is sown in corruption. It's raised in incorruption. It's sown in dishonor. It's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness. It's raised in power. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so here he lets us know that there's going to be a difference in our resurrection body, right? It's sown in corruption. So the body that we live in now can die. And if we're not raptured in it, it will die and it will be raised incorruptible. What does that mean? That the body that comes up will be one that will never die. Our resurrection body won't get sick. It won't get ill. It won't fall apart. It won't die. It'll be raised in incorruption, sown in dishonor. You know, when you see somebody come to the end of a life, particularly if they've been sick and they're weak, someone that used to see was strong and vibrant, they're sick, and it's, they're, it's sown in dishonor. It's the weakest state you can be in, but it's raised up in glory. It's, it was sown in dishonor, it was raised in glory. The, the resurrected body won't be like the one that died, the one that got ill, the one that got sick. It might have be been sown in weakness. It'll be raised up in power, right? It, it, it's sown a natural body. It's going to be raised up a spiritual body. Uh, there is a natural body. There is a spiritual body as it is. And so it is written. The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam, that's Jesus, became a life giving spirit. And so Paul is just making all these uh, comparisons and distinctions to try to help them understand that you are every one of us lives in a body. Um, the body has a time frame on Earth. We're going to be here for so long. Uh, we want to do the best that we can do. It's not so much. You know, the body that we get and we can put a whole lot of focus on these things. But God said, it's what you do with this thing. You, you want to be glorifying me. You want to be living. That's where he's going to close off the chapter telling us we want to live for God in this body, in our time and space on earth. We want to spend it for him because this time will run out. Um, we do look forward, though. The believer, God gives us an opportunity to hope. We have hope that this isn't it for us. Right. Do I die? And then that's it. I just go to the dirt. No, that's not what the Bible teaches. God said, no, there's something else. Right. You get another body. You get a body that's going to be for, made for made to live forever. So for the believer, my hope doesn't end at death. Death is how I transition from this life to the next, from this phase to the next phase. And that should impact how I live, too. I believe that what we do for eternity in heaven is impacted by how we how faithful we were on earth. Um, that we'll, there'll be assignments. Some people think that we're going to be in heaven on clouds with hearts singing kumbaya, but that's not the case. We're going to we're going to have jobs. We're going to be things. There are things we're going to be doing that are impacted by our faithfulness in service down here. And so when it says um, the first man, Adam, became a light, a living being. So Adam is the example of he's the representation of mankind in the physical sense. He was the first man. Like God, God breathed in him, he became a living being. That's representative of this earthly bodies. We will all become living beings. But Jesus is the example. When it says the second Adam, it's referring to Jesus. Jesus is the example of us. Of, as he came, he said he came to be a life-giving spirit. He didn't just come to live and die, but he came to be a life-giving spirit. And it's his example that we're looking to follow. And so verse 46, however, the spiritual is not first. But the natural, so first the natural body, then the spiritual, and afterward the spiritual. The first man was of the earth, made of dust, Adam. The second man is the the second man is the Lord from heaven, Jesus. As was the first, as was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of of dust. And as is the heavenly man, so also also are those who are heavenly. 
And as we have borne the image of the man of dust, borne the image of Adam, so also we will bear the image of the heavenly man. And so, again, speaking to believers, in the same way that in your physical man you bear the image of Adam, in your spiritual being, if you're born again of the Spirit of God, you will also bear the image of Christ. And that's why when I look at, you know, what's it going to be like to be resurrected? You know, what's our bodies going to be like? I can look at Jesus in his resurrected form and I get some, I get some, some information about the resurrected life. I get some information about life after this. Was his resurrected body, you know, it was not the same body. It was, it went through walls. It was, he, he just appeared where he wanted to be. Um, you know, we know that he ate in his resurrected body. It's going to be different than what we have right now. Now we kind of switch his gears in verse 50. And he says, now this I say, brethren, that the, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. And Paul is kind of bringing this to conclusion. Talked about resurrection, talked about, he told him, you know, he spent the whole first part of the chapter saying, if you don't believe in the resurrection, your faith is in vain. You can't go to heaven. You're all men most pitiable. You're still in your sins if you don't believe in the resurrection. Then he explained, he gave all the arguments for the resurrection. Now he's explaining how it's different. You know, you die in this body, you're raised up in a spiritual body. You know, you sow an earthly body, you raise up in a spiritual body. What's it going to be like? Look at Jesus. It's going to be like his body. Now he tells us how we get there. There are going to be some people that die and enter into the next realm. And then there's something the Bible teaches called the rapture of the church, which is another way that people are going to get to the next realm apart from death. And so now in verse 50, he says, now, look, I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom. In other words, the body that you're in right now is not going to inherit the kingdom. This is not how you're going to get there. Cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. And then he says, behold, I tell you a mystery that that word mystery in the Greek, uh, my best pronunciation is mysterion, uh, mysterion, but what, basically what it is, it's, it's, a, it's a truth that's been previously concealed that is now being revealed. And so Paul is saying, I'm explaining something to you that it couldn't come by, you know, you couldn't have researched this and found out it's got to come by revelation. Paul says, I'm telling you guys something that you would not otherwise be able to know. And he says, we, we shall not all sleep. That's a, a nice way of the Bible telling you you're not going to, we shall not all die. It says, but we shall all be changed. And he's going to explain what that is and how that works. Look at verse 52. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead, I'm sorry, and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. So Paul says there's going to come a time in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, so it's, it's a moment that's like, you know, a twinkling of an eye. You can't even some, somebody I, I read some I read one of the guys I read. He had, you know, he had more of a scientific mind. And he had, you know, measured the, how how long it takes for an eye to blink or whatever. I don't have that for y'all this morning, but it, it's, a, it's an immeasurable, you know, it's just boom. It just happens like that in a moment. When's that moment coming? When do we, does anybody know when that moment's coming? We don't know. But in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, he says um, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ, I'm sorry, and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. And so I would like to compare this with what Paul says in First Thessalonians 4, 15 through 18. I'd like you guys to turn there with me. I'll be the one place I'd be turned to, but turn to First Thessalonians 4, 
verse 15 through 18. Now I want to read that to us and then we'll go back to Corinthians. All right. First Thessalonians four, starting at verse 15, Paul speaking here too. he says, for this, we say to you by the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, those who have already died in Christ. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up. For those that argue that, you know, the word rapture is not in the body, that phrase caught up is it's that's where we get our, you know, that, that's where the word rapture comes from. So it's that's what it, if you look up that phrase, that's what it means to be raptured, to be caught up. Um, those who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. And so when Paul was sharing this with the Thessalonians, he was saying, guys, we want to comfort. He was comforting those that believers had already died. He said, we don't sorrow as those who have no hope. Right. They're with the Lord. But he's also saying that, hey, there's coming a time at the rapture. We're going to be you'll be joined together with those that have preceded you in the Lord. We're going to be caught up to be with the Lord in the air. And thus, from that time, we're going to we're going to ever be with the Lord. So with regard to the, the rapture of the church, it's a it's the doctrine of the New Testament. It's an important one in the sense that it does impact. I believe it impacts how we live right now that from when I, as I read the scriptures, I realize that all the, the New Testament writers, they live with an expectant. They lived expecting the return of the Lord at any moment. They lived with that expectancy. There was there was just an awareness. They, everybody thought that he could come in their time. I believe that that's what God would have uh, until he comes, until until we are caught up to be with him. I believe that every generation of believers is to live with that expectation, that hope that he could return at any moment. And so we live in that expectation. We live recognizing that there's a time coming where we're going to be caught up to be with the Lord. So there will be a generation of Christians that don't see death, but will be caught up to be with the Lord. Last week, we we spent some time in Revelation and we kind of did a little bit of a, a timeline and we looked at from the rapture, all the things that transpire. If you missed that, I encourage you to go back and, and listen to it. But suffice it to say for us here, we look forward to a time where we're going to be either we're going to die and meet the Lord. Um, that's one way to meet God. You, you die. And um, that's Second Corinthians 5, 8. It says either the so we you know we know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. That's one way to meet him. The other way to meet the Lord is through the rapture, that he comes back while we're still living. Um I said it last week. I, I really hope to get to be a part of that group, you know. I think it would be cool. Um I didn't get to be here when Jesus walked around on the earth, so I would like to be around for that. But um, you know, none of us get to determine that. He's coming back when he comes back. I just glad however I meet the Lord, I'm gonna be with the Lord. And that's that's the most important thing. So Moving on, he says, in a moment again, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet is going to sound. The trumpet will sound. The dead in Christ will be raised incorruptible. And it says we shall be changed. We're going to be changed. Changed from our, our current form. Now, far as the trumpet of God, those there are people that don't believe in the rapture of the church. Uh, they have a different belief in terms of the time frame. And they look at the trumpet of God and they look at it. They look at the book of Revelation as the angels sounded their trumpets, the last trumpet. Um, and I would distinguish the trump of God from the trumpet of angels. So, so I do believe in the rapture. I don't believe that it's the trumpet of the angel at the end of the tribulation. There are people that believe that Christians will go through the tribulation period. 
I don't see that in the scriptures. And when, just when I look at the goal of the tribulation period, the purpose of the tribulation period is to punish. It's God's wrath poured out on a Christ rejected world. That doesn't apply to me. I'm not rejected Christ. I received him. You've been listening to A Transforming Word with Pastor Bill Buffington. Today's message from the book of 1 Corinthians is available to listen to again on our website. Just visit calvaryinglewood.org and click on media. Or you can download our mobile app to listen to more teachings. You'll find a link on our website. You can also search for Calvary Chapel Inglewood in your app store. If you're looking for a place to connect this weekend, we'd love for you to join us for church. Look on our website for the latest times and location information. We're a group of people who love to learn from God's Word and be together as the family of God. Again, our website is CalvaryInglewood.org. As we looked into the book of 1 Corinthians, accountability and helping other believers strive for purity and commitment to God are topics that come to the surface. Although these things aren't always fun or easy, they're an incredible blessing to have in your life and in your church. So look to be involved and accountable wherever you're plugged in with other believers. If you notice that this ministry has been a blessing, even when it's convicted your heart in certain ways, we're glad that we can be a part of that. Would you be praying for a transforming word? As the messages go out, many listeners may be hearing about the Lord for the very first time. We ask that you pray for ears to be opened, hearts to be softened, and for lives to be changed. That's all we have time for today. Join Pastor Bill again for another edition of A Transforming Word.